Hi, everyone, and welcome to Spill It, our podcast all about YA literature, where two of us love YA and one not so much. I'm Catherine, Teen Services Librarian for the Gwinnett County Public Library, and I love YA. I'm Patty, a Gwinnett Public Library's Youth Services Manager. I do not, I can't introduce myself today. That, this bodes well for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> Take two. I'm Patty, the Youth Services Manager, and I also love YA. And I'm Sarah, Youth Services Specialist, and I'm not so much a fan of YA. We still like you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Sort of. Oh. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> Kidding. I obviously. know. So let's go around briefly and tell everyone what we're reading or listening to right now. I feel like I started last time, so Sarah, you go. Oh, well, I am currently reading Dread Nation. I'm actually listening to it by Justina Ireland, and I really love it. I don't want to say too much because I'd love to talk about it on a future podcast, but it is historical fiction, but also, um, you know, an imagined world where after the Civil War, zombies are a thing, but they're called shamblers. And I'm really loving um, the main character, Jane, who uh, has been trained to um, be an attendant to rich white women. She's a young black woman, and she's trained to um, not only protect women's virtue, but also to slaughter any zombies that may come around and keep them safe that way. So it's about her experience told from her perspective, and uh, things, of course, go awry because they always do in novels, but I'm really enjoying it so far. It's very good. And I say that as someone who doesn't like zombies at all. I hate zombies, but it sounds intriguing. Yeah, all of my anxiety dreams are about zombies, so I tend to avoid media with zombies in it. But I I liked that one. There's been a couple of books. I can't do movies. I think it's because I I also don't like gore or being scared. I have enough anxiety in my life. I don't need to bring more in. But I really like that, that book about zombies. I just think zombies are disgusting. And it completely, the gore factor and that they're eating each other just grosses me out. Yeah, uh, I can see that. Like, I can't watch it either. Like, just, I can't do it. Because I'm like, that is so disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it's enough to make you be a vegetarian. I, yeah. Okay, that's fair. I am not reading a book about zombies right now, which, you know, surprise. Um, the one I am, I'm also listening to a book. Uh, and it's The Lady's Guide to Petticoats and Piracy by Mackenzie Lee. And um, I love it. It's a second in the series about the Montague siblings. And the third book is came out this week. Um, when we're recording this, it came out on Tuesday. And uh, I'm super excited about it. And I'm so I've been re-listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue and The Lady's Guide to Petticoats and Piracy. And they are historical fiction, but the characters in them are not your normal standard historical characters. The point of this is that Felicity Montague wants to be a doctor. And so this is her, the book about her and her quest to become a doctor and things kind of go wrong. I think the covers of those books are interesting. Yeah. They're, um, I haven't read them yet, but I have seen them and they're on my to, to be read list, but 
but based on the cover. So that's those are cover art that I like. <laughs> They're very good. And I actually really enjoyed both audiobooks because I read them the first time and now I'm listening to them. And the, the they have different readers because, of course, uh, the first book is told from Monty's perspective, her, her old older brother and then this one is Felicity's perspective so they have a male reader for Monty's book and a female reader for Felicity's and they both are very good and I I'm actually kind of enjoying this one slightly more because the Monty story it's about a guy Percy Montague who uh, is a gentleman but he's not particularly good at he's something of a rake and um very scandalous and his dad is a jerk and terrible to work yet you know just awful towards him and and of course he is in love with his best friend and but he won't admit it and I got a little frustrated with him because he does he does some stupid stupid choices that he makes in his life and you're just like why why are you making this so much harder for yourself Monty stop it um this one has less of that (laughs) So I recommend either reading or listening to them. Cool. What are you reading, Catherine? So the book I'm reading right now, and this is kind of a fun twist, I'm actually reading a physical copy of the book versus listening, which I usually listen to all the books, and I feel like (laughs) you two read them, so it's kind of funny. But it is Ghostwood's Song by Erica Waters. This one kind of took me a few chapters to get into, but now I'm almost done and it's kind of killing me that I haven't been able to finish it yet. I need to know what happens. <laughs> but the tagline for it is a fiddle made of secrets, a song to raise the dead. Ooh. Um, it takes place in rural North Florida. And as you guess from the tagline, it features ghosts and a cursed fiddle. It's got the creepy factor, which I super love in books. It's got a little romance, which is not the insta love variety. And a little mystery complete with murder. Oh, and another thing I love about this book is all the bluegrass music that's kind of woven through the story. And like what Sarah said earlier, this is a title I might actually want to have everybody read, so I'm not going to go into too many more details. That sounds really good. Yeah. What's it called again? Uh, Ghostwood Song. Okay. I, that, I would be down to read that. That sounds really good. It also good. has a cover that I think is beautiful. <laughs> I love how much it we're helps. talking about covers on a podcast, which is not a visual medium. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hey, when you go to look for a book, that's usually the first thing that you see, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm definitely a judge a book by its cover kind of kind of gal. I, well, and like they say not to, but you can't help it. Right. So it seems like we're at a place now where we can talk about our assigned reading of holiday books. This episode is a little different in that we aren't all reading the same book. We chose books about holidays, and we all sort of read separate titles. So we're going to talk a little bit about those. We each read one to two holiday books. I might have read three. Overachiever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to discuss them and maybe give you some recommendations. Yes. So you've read three, so I think you should go first. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is 10 Blind Dates by Ashley Elston. And I think the tagline of this one sums it up pretty perfectly. Trust your family to make the holidays even more awkward. <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> Who isn't that true for, I feel like? Uh, I thought this one, when I looked at it, had the potential to be kind of a funny, quirky, sweet read, and it definitely didn't disappoint. I read this one last year at a time where I really needed to get into the holiday spirit, and it and it did help me a lot. I really liked this one. Um, and here's the synopsis. So Sophie wants one thing for Christmas, a little freedom from her overprotective parents. So when they decide to spend Christmas in South Louisiana with her very pregnant older sister, 
Sophie is looking forward to some much-needed private makeout time, really, with her longtime boyfriend, Griffin, except it turns out that Griffin wants a little freedom from their relationship. Cue devastation. Heartbroken, Sophie flees to her grandparents' house, where the rest of her boisterous extended family is gathered for the holiday. That's when her nana devises a not-so-brilliant plan, or at least not-so-brilliant for Sophie. Over the next 10 days, Sophie will be set up on 10 different blind dates by different family members like her sweet cousin Sarah, who sets her up with a hot guy at an exclusive underground party, or her crazy Aunt Patrice, who signs Sophie up for a lead role in a living nativity with a boy (laughs) who barely reaches her shoulder and a screaming baby. When Griffin turns up unexpectedly and begs for a second chance, Sophie feels more confused than ever because maybe, just maybe, she started to have feelings for someone else. Someone who's definitely not available. Wah, wah. So, this is going to be the worst Christmas break ever, or is it? Dun dun dun. Oh, dun dun. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, and I, I have a question about yeah, the ahead. premise of this book. This is a teenager, mm-hmm. and her parents just leave her. Well, alone for Christmas. Well, because she's supposed to go stay with her grandmother. Oh, but she does. she had plans to not to use it as a chance to just be like making out with her boyfriend. But when he's like, I need a little space, she ends up going to Nana's house after all. Wouldn't Nana have missed her? Yes. And like mentioned something to her parents that she was missing? Most likely. I'm, I, I was just curious. I think, and I mean, I did read this last year, but I think she had plans of actually making it to Nana's house eventually. She just wanted a few days. Okay. Alone with her boyfriend. Of adulting. Okay. Yes. I was just very like, wait, hold up, what? <laughs> I know, I know Sarah has talked about uh, the lack of parental involvement in some of these books, but these parents seem particularly not involved. Well, they were checking in on her. She was just lying to them. Okay, that's and fine. I lying is fine. Her dad I mean, was like, <laughs> I think her dad is the chief of police in her town. So like Yikes. he probably had people checking on her also. Okay, <laughs> lying is not fine, just so, just for, just so you know, but... Uh, in books. Uh, this one also kind of spoke to me because I also have kind of a large family that gets into ridiculousness sometimes. So it was very relatable to me. I thought you were going to say because I'm a liar. No. I, <laughs> <laughs> I actually hate lying. But especially, I mean, most lies, why bother? You're going to get caught anyway. I also liked that it was pretty friendship focused despite it being the 10 blind dates. Like it really delved into her friendships and relationships with people who aren't, like, boyfriend, girlfriend. It did, of course, given the title, have a little romance mixed in. I would hope so. But again, not the insta-love variety, so you might actually like this one, Sarah. It's possible. I will say uh, the character development was great. You really were able to relate with Sophie and kind of understand what she was going through. And I will say it was a tad predictable in that I did call who she was going to end up with in the end, but it didn't make the story any less great for me sometimes you want that you just want something that doesn't have a lot of surprises and is just sweet and nice Mm -hmm. and i i love her grandparents i love her grandparents relationship with each other and i like their relationship with sophie too it's great like you're seeing her extended family support and not just like her parent support i like it cool tag you're it sarah so i read so this is christmas by tracy andreen And it definitely gives you that Hallmark movie feel. In fact, the author has written Hallmark movies and Lifetime movies, Christmas and um, regular. 
And so if you like that kind of thing where, you know, there's a romance and there's a lot of Christmas, you will like this book. Is there a firefighter involved? There is no firefighter in this, but uh, here's the synopsis. When Finley decides to go home to Christmas, Oklahoma, for the holidays, the last person she expects to see there is Arthur Chakrabarti Watercress, a fellow student at her New England prep school. Arthur is, Finley thinks, an uptight Brit who hardly knows she exists. So why have Arthur and his Aunt Esha chosen to spend Christmas at Grandma Joe's Hoyden Inn? If the greatly enhanced town website created by Finley to impress her snobbish classmates is to blame, how can she produce the perfect American Christmas experience their guests expect? Especially since she's reeling from some surprising revelations about her parents, as well as about her former boyfriend and best friend. Old secrets and new romances, hilarious near disasters, and a Christmas miracle or two add to the fun as Finley discovers that Arthur is, well, kind of hot. Get in the holiday spirit with (laughs) Finley, Arthur, and all the folks of Christmas in this sparkling Yuletide tale. So yeah, Finley is at her boarding school, and she's finding that she doesn't fit in so well there, and she's having a harder time with uh, classwork than she expected, and so she, when she goes home for Christmas, she decides she's going to tell her parents she doesn't want to go back. And when she gets there, she finds out her parents are having some of their uh, relationship issues, which she was not expecting and, of course, are devastating to her. And then she finds out that Arthur and his aunt have showed up because Finley has tinkered with her town's website to make Christmas Oklahoma seem way better than it actually is. And so now he's mad, and she needs to try to make it up to him. So there are some good um, reveals in this book, so I didn't see everything coming. It's the main plot, you know, you can guess what's going to happen. They with, end up between, together, don't they? They they do. Spoiler alert, they <gasps> do end up together. Just it, It's a, you know, it's a Hallmark-type book, so of it course they like do. It sounds like a Hallmark movie. But there are some side plot lines that when I read that, I was like, oh, I did not see that coming. So that, you know, goes against what I expect from YA and that it's going to be totally predictable. There were some things in here that I did not predict whatsoever. So if you like that Hallmark type of vibe, I would recommend this book. I actually have it sitting on my desk right now. Well, you'll have to tell me what you think of it. I know. I'm looking forward to it. It's interesting because I do enjoy a Hallmark Christmas movie, but I've actually never sat down and read a, a holiday-themed book until this assignment. Um, so I might, I might check some, I might check that out. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing about this book and Hallmark movies and the Christmas movies doesn't have to be just Hallmark. Is if you don't want a story about the world's going to end or somebody's life is at stake, and you just want something light. These are the perfect type of stories, and they, I've watched the Hallmark movies, um, not because I think that they are, you know, intense, interesting drama, but mostly because it really will put you in the spirit, because they're, every room that they film in is decorated to the nines for Christmas. Every outfit they wear is perfect for winter and fuzzy sweaters and warm mittens. All the food that they eat is Christmas appropriate. It all has peppermint and... <laughs> and chocolate and marshmallows on it so everything is just very Christmassy you can't help but feel like Christmas after you watch one of those movies or after you read so this is Christmas 
So I read um, My True Love Gave to Me 12 Holiday Stories, and it's edited by Stephanie Perkins. This is a little bit different because it's a book of short stories. So I did not have one cohesive story, and it's by 12 different young adult authors. It's a slightly older book. It came out, I want to say, 2014. So to do a quick rundown on the authors in this book, this has stories by Rainbow Rowell, Kelly Link, Matt De La Pena, Jenny Hahn, Stephanie Perkins, David Levithan, Holly Black, Gail Foreman, Myra McIntyre, Kirsten White, Allie Carter, and Lanny Taylor. Um, they cover a range of holidays, of winter holidays. We have a lot of Christmas, but we also have a winter solstice. We have a Hanukkah. We have New Year's Eve. So there's a little bit of something for everybody. There is, there's even one that's technically it's Advent, but it um, deals with, it's more of a fantasy story. It's by Lanny Taylor. I loved that one. Um, there's definitely stories in here that I liked some more than I liked others. Like some of them were a little, eh, I don't know. But uh, I, I liked all of them. I think they worked really well. One of the things when you're writing, when you're reading short stories, there is an art to be able to tell a whole story and create a whole world in a short amount of space. And some people are better at it than others. <laughs> None of these stories are bad, um, but there's definitely people who were who did a better job of it than others. Lanny Taylor's, I really loved it. It's called The Girl Who Woke the Dreamer. And it is set on this fan it's in a fantasy world, kind of it's not a not our world. And it's about a girl who um, is an orphan and shocking. Uh, well, years ago, there was a, a, a lost colony, and she's an orphan from the lost colony. Since they this this town brought over these orphans and to work their fields and work in their factories, they don't get paid. Um, they're basically indentured servants until they turn eighteen, and then when they turn eighteen, they can get married if they're a girl, or they can get some land in. Uh, the part of the island nobody wants. So Nev is the youngest of the orphans. So she's like the last one to, to get out of there. And before the summer before, she had had plans. There were two brothers and they were her best friends. They were also in this orphans, orphans and they were going to go um, take the land and farm the land and, and live the three of them together but they died of a fever. So she's alone. And the only option she has is to get married or go try to farm this land by herself, which she's not going to be able to do. And so, of course, in this town, uh, the way marriage works is the men court the ladies by leaving them presents and they every day of Advent up until Christmas Eve, and then you have this big dance and they agree to get married. Like, the, it's... And no woman ever refuses because why would you, re you can't refuse because you have no job. Like, what are you going to do? Um, and of course, the man that wants to marry her is like the worst dude. He's on his, he's already had three wives who've died. She does not want to marry him. And she begs the dreamer who is a old God, 
that no one talks about anymore to help her. And she ends up waking him up. He's been asleep this whole time. And he comes and he falls in love with her and he courts her the whole time too. And it's just this great, fantastical story. And it's like this whole world that she has created and like you understand everything and like the whole thing comes together and like it ends and you're like, okay, yes, I understand everything that's going on in this world. It makes sense. It is a complete and total story and it was wonderful. Unlike a couple of others. <laughs> the fantastical ones in this book were the ones that I, I would love more. Kelly Link wrote one called The Lady and the Fox. And it worked well, but like I would love more. I, like almost I would love it if it was a novella. Because like her mother's in jail in Thailand. That's never explained. Don't know why she's in jail. <laughs> you know, she's going to be there for years. <laughs> Don't know why. Um, she goes and spends every Christmas with this family of famous actors. Don't really know why. <laughs> Not ever really... Uh, there is a mysterious man who is held captive by this lady uh, and he can only show up when it snows on Christmas day. That's never really explained. Like why, how, what's going on with that? I would, I'm like, Oh, I want, I want more. Of this. <laughs> You're making me re-remember re some of these. Cause I read it a long time ago when it first <laughs> came out. Like, oh yeah. 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 That one, that one. And then there are the normal, there's like a lot of just uh, contemporary stories that are just like, um, so there's a lot of those stories that have that because there's that potential when you go away to college and you come back home, of course, uh, there's a lot of that potential for Christmas and Hanukkah stories. And, and there's a lot where you can't make it home for the holidays. And the Hanukkah one deals with that. Like she can't get home for Hanukkah. Um, or there's Matt de la Pena says he can't get home for Christmas. And it's what happens when they're stuck in a place that they're not normally where they are for their holidays. And it's how they, how they cope with that. I, I would like to, I do kind of wish there was more stories that weren't so Christmas focused. Like there was a New Year's Eve, Rainbow Rowles was a New Year's Eve story. I, it was a very Rainbow Rowell story. It was, I, I loved it. Um, it's a very sweet contemporary romance about two people that have been friends and it's told over several New Year's Eves and they're developing a relationship, which was adorable. There's one, Jenny Hahn writes a story about a girl who was adopted by Santa Claus when she was a baby and she lives at the North Pole with the elves. See, that sounds hallmarky to me. And well, it is and it isn't because it's not so great for her because the elves kind of like look down on her because she's a human and they have a big dance where they all have dates with other elves and she doesn't have a date because no elf wants to date a human. And of course, she's in love with one of the elves. Oh, and sad. Yeah, it, it ends suddenly. <laughs> I was like, what? Uh, oh, I, yeah. And there's a there's a. Krampus story by Holly Black because of, of course oh. there is. <laughs> I feel like I've talked about this book a lot so I'm gonna pass this off to Catherine. I'll take it. The next one I'm gonna talk about is Let It Snow. This is also kind of a compilation story. It's got three authors, John Green, Maureen Johnson, and Lauren Miracle. Um, this one had been on my to-read list for a while and I kept putting it off, but then I saw the Netflix movie version of it, which prompted me to read it. And I thought it was really, really cute. But in Let It Snow, we're taken to a small town with a Christmas Eve snowstorm. Each author focuses on different characters in their story. So we get to learn a little bit more about all of them. And then their stories kind of interconnect all these characters together. And it has a little bit of love because you can't really have a YA book, I feel like, without a little bit of romance. 
But in the first story by Maureen Johnson, we have a stranded train with Jubilee who ventures out into the storm to get away from 15 cheerleaders who are also with her stuck on the train. She makes it to the Waffle House across the street and meets an adorable stranger who maybe saves her day. The second story is written by John Green and also features the cheerleaders from the first story. This one was probably my favorite and was the funniest, in my opinion. You have three friends who are hanging out watching movies, playing games, you know, just having a good time. And they get a call from another friend who's working at the Waffle House to get over there because of all the stranded cheerleaders. But along the way, chaos ensues and we maybe get a love connection between friends And then the last story by Lauren Miracle, we start with Addie, who is devastated about her struggling relationship and breakup. She ends up going on a journey of self-discovery while going to pick up her best friend's pet. The story also works to tie up the endings from the other stories and brings everything back together in the end. Overall, I thought it was pretty cute, but if you're going to watch the movie versus read the book, they're quite a bit different, just FYI. I think I like the fact that you have three stories instead of 12. Yeah. And, you know, Christmas isn't actually like a, it does happen on Christmas Eve, but it's not like the main focus of the stories, which was kind of cool. Okay. Uh, Well, my second title I um, am reading is called Blame It on the Mistletoe by Beth Garrett. And in this one, there are two girls that are the main characters, one named Holly, who lives in England. And one named Noel. She goes by <laughs> L. So yes, if you picked up the little Christmas puns there, you are correct. And uh, she, L, lives in New York. And L is um, on Instagram and trying to get a certain number of followers. I think she wants thirty thousand followers. And she gets kind of into this Instagram contest with some other girls, trying to see who can get the most followers by Christmas. And one of her um, strategies for that is to suggest a house swap with somebody in England. Oh, this sounds very like the holiday. It is like the holiday. Yeah. Yeah. So Holly ends up going to New York in part because she's had a romance that kind of went uh, off track and she needs to uh, prove that she's spontaneous and not boring, as she's been accused of being. And Elle goes to England to try to get followers. And of course, while each girl is in the other one's home, they meet boys and there's romance. Hijinks. Yes, and Christmas time fun. So blame it on the mistletoe. I thought it was interesting because in both this book and the one I talked about previously, So This Is Christmas, um, social media and the internet is kind of a plot point for these characters. So as somebody who didn't grow up in that era, it's interesting to see how um, these kind of things impact young people and to the point where it's a plot point in a story that they have to figure out, oh, my goodness, I've kind of catfished somebody into coming to this town that's not what it's supposed to be, or, oh, my goodness, I've got to get this many followers, or I'm going to have to close down my account as the rules of this contest. So new new plot things that I have not been exposed to in previous reading, but gives you a little insight into teen lives i think i loved that movie the, the holiday oh my gosh so I, I love that movie too so i'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to book. i'm gonna have to rewatch the movie i think <laughs> also, and also read the book i'll read the like, book oh, yeah. and I'm also with the them like both of these with british characters which i don't i don't know do people associate christmas with great britain 
I mean, is it the Charles Dickens Christmas story connection? I just, or is it just a coincidence that I picked two books that have British characters in them? I kind of want to say it's a coincidence, them. but I mean, none of mine. None of my 12 holiday stories <laughs> involved a British person. Okay. So it's just a fluke. So my last one is Dash and Lily's Book of Dares. Ooh, like this is a love pretty, the movie. pretty well-known one. It's by Rachel Cohn and David Levithan. Oh. So tie back to Patty's book. I love his books. I do too. But as Sarah let you know, it is also a movie, or not really a movie, but a, a series. That's a right. A limited it's, series on Netflix. Right. Which I'm bummed to find out, or was bummed to find out, that it's not coming back for season two. But I, I loved the premise of this book. It's kind of fun. She has like a notebook of dares that she leaves in a bookstore and Dash finds it. And so then they're trading dares back and forth through this notebook. It takes place over the holiday season. Um, her brother is the one who suggested that she start this book of dares. And like in the first one, uh, she's instructing Dash to turn the page if he wants to play along or to put the book back on the shelf if he doesn't. But of course, he decides to play along. But so throughout the story, they pass the book back and forth, trading dares, and sharing more about themselves. But will their in-person selves get along as well as their uh, notebook selves? That's what you kind of are discovering throughout reading this book. I mean, it is a tad predictable, but I mean, the whole, the whole premise kind of lets you know from the beginning what's probably going to happen at the end. But I found it really enjoyable. And really enjoyed the Netflix series as well. Yeah, there are two other um, follow-up titles to Dash and Lily. It is. It's the first book of a series, right. which you don't like. I, but I'm not a fan. Maybe of series. since you liked the Netflix, you might actually read the second one, so you can second and third one, so you can see what happens. Perhaps it Those does give a shout out to Hanukkah in there, but again, it's a shout out, not like a. It's not a Hanukkah story. Say, hey, Hanukkah exists. Woohoo! I don't know if if the book is as humorous as the movie was, but the movie was. Amusing as well as cute. The book is amusing as well. Yeah. With both of those authors, Rachel Cohn's another of my favorite authors. She wrote the Gingerbread series, which I loved, loved way back when, when I first read it. It's called Gingerbread. It's not about, it's not about actual gingerbread or Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Or I might have talked about it in this one, but they're both hilarious. Both of them are able to bring humor into their stories. Yes. Um, I, I just I would say in my book David Levithan's story is the funniest. Yeah. Like I laughed so hard because it's it's about a a boy who is dressing up as Santa for his boyfriend's little brother and like pretending to be Santa. And he's so not into it, <laughs> but he's doing it for love. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, both the titles I read use humor too. I wouldn't say that they're hilarious, but they're definitely funny and I think that's the nature of you know romance plus there's like zany predicaments that you get into and things so like they're that. rom-coms they're rom-coms exactly I will say all rom-coms three of mine in are paper like that too. Mm-hmm. yeah mine have a couple it's a wide variety of of stories so there's definitely rom-coms there's definitely like actually yeah no almost every single one of them technically is a rom-com every single one of them because my true love gave to me so of course it's about love they're all romance romances in one way or the other. I did have a laugh out loud moment in Blame It on the Mistletoe when she's describing driving down through the town and seeing everybody's houses decorated with lights and reindeer and sleighs and Santa and once she passes a house and they've just taken their lights and written out the word same. 
<laughs> Actually, in the in the book I was talking about that I'm currently reading right now, there has been a reader before me. It's a library book, but they have been correcting word usage that maybe they thought they should have used a different word, and that's cracking me up. <laughs> we do not condone. I know damaging your library I'm books. Like, <laughs> you think her grammar is wrong. But you're writing in a library book. I just want to point that out. <laughs> is it in pencil or pen? It is at least in pencil, but okay. still. Future editor. Or current editor. Someone who damages library books. Oh, somebody who respects the language. <laughs> but not the library books. Uh, yeah, I see your point. Now that we've gotten off topic, it's <laughs> probably time for someone to assign a title. And this time it is Patty's turn. So Patty, take it over. It's my turn. Uh, I want us to read um, a slightly different book, a book in verse, The Black Flamingo by Dean Ada. The Black Flamingo is the story of Michael, a mixed-race gay teen growing up in London, and how he grows up, goes to college, and discovers himself through drag. All right. I'm, I'm very intrigued by this one. And it's all in verse, which I'm, I think is lovely. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah. That should be interesting. This will be one I actually read versus listen to because uh, I feel like with poetry especially, it's much better to see see it in its format. I actually might do both because I, I do like to be able to see it, but I've, I don't know who reads it. If it's read by the author, that would be really cool. Uh, and this, uh, The Black Flamingo is a Stonewall Book Award winning book from the American Library Association, which is given to the best books featuring LGBTQ representation of that year. This has been another episode of Spill Lit by the Gwinnett County Public Library. I'm Patty. I'm Catherine. And I'm Sarah. And we want you to join us next time when we spill the tea on books in verse, the black flamingo, and our continuing quest to find YA books that will satisfy Sarah. Remember, not going to happen. Oh, it'll happen. <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> Remember to like, review, and subscribe. And until next time, keep reading.